Town Bank Mortgage. NMLS number 512138 is an equal housing lender. This podcast is for informational purposes only. And now, the man born with a 5 o'clock shadow and with the NMLS number 2028201. He is a gentleman. He is a scholar. He is... Tyler Crawley. So who would have thought... Number 300, the 300th episode of Markets and Mortgages. I actually thought we were going to get that number a lot quicker. (laughs) It's been an interesting 2023. We had kind of a studio change, uh, a.k.a. I moved. (laughs) So uh, it took me a little longer to set up the studio than I would have liked. I've taken some months off and... It just took me longer to get to three, but we made it to 300. That is the key. And if you look at most podcasts, uh, there's like, I think a couple million podcasts out there. And most of them, I think do like five to 10 episodes. And so sure, we've had our trials and tribulations along the way, but we have made it to number 300. I think we got a good schedule now, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, And now we might have a bonus day. We're going to get to that here in a little bit. But welcome, everyone, to the Monday edition of Markets and Mortgages. I am the aforementioned host of this podcast, Tyler Crawley. And so, okay, we got to talk about what happened on Friday. (laughs) Just an insane, insane jobs report that was not welcomed with open arms. But here's the thing. We have a very slow week up ahead. Uh, There is nothing happening today, nothing happening tomorrow, and nothing happening on Friday. So we got everything of consequence happening on Wednesday and Thursday. And that's really it. So Wednesday's show is going to be interesting. (laughs) It's like, what am am I going to talk about? Because maybe we'll get something from CoreLogic, uh, maybe something from Adam Data Solutions. I don't know, Redfin might throw something out there. Uh, But the the big reports, the the government reports, it's a slow week. I'm not going to lie about that. Um, So just giving you a heads up on that, which is why I should let you know that we're going to be at, that's not one of the reasons why I actually moved the show to three times a week. Because Yeah, I mean, I can find stuff to talk about if I really wanted to, but I used to have a policy when I was on on talk radio. I had a policy that I never wanted to bring a guest on a show unless they were paying. (laughs) Then all bets were off. I'd bring them on for any reason. But if a a guest was coming on, there had to be a reason why they were... I, I, I I didn't want to just bring guests on the show to just shoot the you-know-what with. There wanted to be a reason. I'm bringing this guest on because they have expertise in this topic, and this topic is an important topic right now. And I never wanted to make that... And and that's sort of the policy that I have carried on into this podcast in that if there's nothing really important, if there's nothing impacting the housing market, mortgage markets, a.k.a. the bond markets, then... I'm not just going to do a show to do a show. So that's why I said, you know what? Looking at the way data is released, we're going to do it Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And then here's one of those weeks where it's like, ugh, <laughs> I don't even know if Monday and Tuesday are going to give me I'm enough to do a show 
on Wednesday. So we will see. We'll see what happens here. But let's start with what happened on Friday because that certainly gave us enough to talk about here on this show. And that was the unemployment report. And leading up to the non-farm payroll, we, we, it's always it's jobs week. We get a lot of data. You know, we get job openings. We get the ADP private payroll reports, jobless claims. It gives us an idea of what we could possibly be seeing. But at the end of the day, or the end of the week, I should say, it's the non-farm payroll that really matters with regards to what's going to happen with mortgage rates. Because we're looking for a small number. We want to see employment start to slow, if not fall, for the purposes of cooling the economy off. So therefore, the Fed doesn't deem it necessary to raise rates again or at least keep rates higher for longer, which is their stance right now. There there may be another hike. We're not entirely sure, but it does seem as if they're going to hold rates higher for longer. And so it would be nice if we got a report that maybe would show the Fed that, oh, you know, maybe we are going to have to lower rates. And this report was the exact opposite of what we wanted to see. (laughs) I mean, in every way, shape, or form. So on Friday, the data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics found that total non-farm payroll increased by 336,000 in September. I mean, what the f***? (laughs) 336,000? The, uh, I think economists were looking at like 170,000 and this number comes in almost double that. <laughs> uh, this number was obviously higher than the 227,000 that we saw in August and in fact was the biggest monthly gain that we have seen since January. The unemployment rate remained the same at 3.8%. And continues to be the highest all year, which, you know, as just a reminder, the unemployment rate is really sort of an indication of people who are looking for employment, people that drop off the rolls. That causes unemployment to fall. And so what's weird is that people go, oh, well, unemployment's high or the highest it's been all year, yet we have this crazy good jobs number. Well, the unemployment's high because more people are like, whoa, look how good the economy is. Maybe I'm going to go find a job. And so that's why the unemployment number rises. As I mentioned, the number that economists were expecting was 170,000, which uh, we doubled, almost doubled. So yeah, more than likely the Fed is not going to be like, oh yeah, let's, uh, let's drop those rates. <laughs> Clearly the labor market is... Slowing Now, if you're wondering where these job gains happened, leisure and hospitality was the big winner in September with almost 100,000 new jobs, thanks to a 61,000 jump in restaurant employment, which means that employment in leisure and hospitality has finally gotten back to pre-pandemic levels. Now, of course, if you adjust for population growth, the numbers are still below pre-pandemic levels, but we finally, this was the only industry, leisure and hospitality was the only industry that never fully recovered or got back to the pre-pandemic levels. Now, leisure and hospitality has. 
but it's still, like I said, under if you account for population growth. Uh, the government was the number two job creator in September with 73,000 new jobs, followed by healthcare at 41,000, professional, scientific, and technical service, whatever that is, uh, 29,000, I have no idea. And then I don't, I don't know what jobs qualify for that, for that category. And then social assistance was up 25,000. But here's where things get even more interesting. The change in total non-farm payroll in July was revised upward almost 80,000, 79,000 increase to 236,000 in July. And the August number was increased by 40,000 to 227,000. So if you take this month along with the upward revisions, that is a lot of job creation. So here we were thinking last month that we finally got under 200,000 and now... No, the last two months, we thought that. No, we weren't. We were over 200,000. And then in September, we're over 300,000. But here's the good news. Find a silver. I mean, here's the thing is that this is a good jobs report. So, I mean, that in itself is a good thing. But because we're in this weird place where interest rates have gone up so much, we actually want to see a bad jobs reports it kind of is bad news it's it's very weird it's a very weird scenario um but wages in september increased 0.2 percent month over month uh they now stand at 33 dollars and 88 cents that is the average hourly earning for all employees on private non-farm payrolls over the past 12 months average average hourly earnings have now increased by 4.2% in September. Now, here's what's interesting. CPI is projecting that year-over-year prices are going to be at around 4%. I'm sorry, 3.7%. Is We'll get to that here in a second. 3.7%, which would mean that wages are outpacing inflation which is what you want to see. And it's only been, I think, a couple months since that's officially been happening. But it is happening. But it's not a crazy high number. I mean, so at the end of the day, you're talking about a few, not even percentage points, talking about 0.2, 0.3 percentage points. So even if you are getting that 4 or 5% pay increase every month, and that's, I mean, that's still going to be an issue for a lot of people out there, especially from a political standpoint. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this this jobs report just kind of blew everyone's socks off. I mean, the bond market responded, as you would expect. I think on Friday, the 10-year hit an intraday high of 4.86%. I mean, it looked like there for a second that we were going to go to 5%. <laughs> I mean, it was, uh, it was crazy. Uh, it did fall, and I think... We, we ended on Friday right below 4.8%. But with everything that was happening this weekend, we had the horrible, horrible terrorist attacks in Israel, which they're projecting is going to have major impacts on the oil markets. More than likely, it's going to impact our bond markets. And so more than likely, we are going to see that number rise. But just looking at the data... Um, what happened on Friday, 
you would expect it to continue to increase. Now, this week, we are supposed to be getting CPI. In fact, let's jump into what we are going to be seeing this week. It's a very boring week. Um, We got nothing on Monday, nothing on Tuesday. As I mentioned, Wednesday, finally get something of interest. We get mortgage demand and rates as usual. Last week, they were at a 27-year low. (laughs) Let's hope that they can only go up from there. Uh, producer prices are, it's, this is one of those weird months where PPI comes out before CPI. So we're getting producer prices on Wednesday. Those are projected to increase by about 0.3%, which would put year-over-year growth at 1.6%. So still under that 2% Fed target rate. Let's hope that has a positive impact on consumer prices. Uh, Also on Wednesday, we'll be getting FOMC minutes from their last meeting. And then Thursday's the big day. That's, that's, That's the real inflation number that we care about. Now, before we get to that, we will be getting some GDP numbers out of the United Kingdom. But then at 8.30, consumer prices, CPI. Consumer prices are projected to increase by the exact same amount of PPI. That's 0.3% rise in September, which should actually slow that year-over-year number to 3.6%. So I misspoke earlier. I said 3.7, 3.6. So if wages are rising at 4.2 and we have prices up 3.6, we do have a little bit of a spread there by about 0.6%. Still, though, a little bit over half a percent. Uh, core inflation, which is much bigger indicator for central bankers, even though they look at PCE, core CPI does matter. Uh, that's also expected to rise 0.3%. That's supposed to slow prices to 4.1% year over year. We're also getting jobless claims that are projected to rise to 210,000, a little bit of an increase from last week, mortgage rates at noon, and then to end the day at 9.30 p.m. on Thursday, we'll be getting consumer price data from China, and they're supposed to see prices rise 0.3% as well. That's a lot of 0.3% rises, PPI, CPI, core CPI, and China's CPI, which is supposed to slow year-over-year price growth in China to 0.1% if you believe that. (laughs) I don't know how many people actually do. So it's kind of a very slow week, which is important. It'll give us time to kind of understand what happened last week with job growth. And then also expect there to be some volatility in markets because of what is happening in the Middle East. Um, I mean, obviously what's happening over there is a just travesty. I mean, it's, it's a terrorist attack. Many people have compared to what happened in Israel this weekend to Israel's 9-11. It's, I think I even saw numbers on it. They were using sort of population data, looking at how many people are in Israel versus how many people in the United States and saying that with the number, the death toll, where it is that if you adjust for population, uh, it has a much bigger impact on Israel. And I think that's something important to take into account when looking at the overall number because of the much smaller population that exists in Israel. So it's a travesty what's happening over there. Absolutely horrific. Um, but then on top of it, it's going to have an impact on 
you know, it's kind of sounds like it's horrible to talk about, but it's going to have an impact on economic markets. It's going to have an impact on economies all over the world, uh, impact on oil markets, bond markets, everything else. And so it's important just to know if you're seeing some fluctuations, that could be one of the reasons. Um, do want to give you a heads up in today's newsletter. Uh, there is a pretty cool piece in Barron's about you know, mortgage demand falling to 27-year lows, but it's not scaring everyone away. Uh, that among the buyers still in the market, there are those who are relocating from expensive places or taking advantage of less competition. And so you can read that full piece. Uh, link will be in the newsletter. There's also a piece in Yahoo Finance about a Bank of American economist who are economists from Bank of America who are saying, hey, listen, everyone calm down. Because you got to say this, like this is not 2008. <laughs> like, no. everyone always thinks, you know, here it is, 2008 again. Like, 2008 was a black swan event. The likelihood of us seeing another black swan event doesn't make any sense. That's not what black swan black swan events do not happen frequently. Hence, black swan. So it's funny that we have to keep saying this, but could we see a correction? Yes, very likely that we are going to see, just like we saw last year, prices decrease in the late fall early, you know, the winter of 2004, the early months of 2004, and then the spring buying season kicks in, we'll see prices start to rise again. That's what's supposed to happen. That's, you know, housing markets used to be seasonal. (laughs) We're sort of getting back to that, but it's funny how many people see home prices start to fall and go, 2008 all over again. No, that's not what's happening. And then there's a piece in the Wall Street Journal Talking about treasuries and the fact that, you know, we're running a $2 trillion deficit this year during a time of peace, and we're not dealing with sort of some economic calamity, some sort of recession, some great recession, COVID, we're not dealing with any of that. And we're still running a $2 trillion deficit. And they point out that Wall Street and Washington have shrugged off these trillion dollar deficits on the idea that America's global standing will provide, there'll be demand for American debt out there. And that the steep decline in the price of treasuries is forcing markets to confront the possibility that rates will be, will that are required to place all of this debt will be higher than anyone expects. So there's a link to that article in the newsletter as well. And then to close things out, speaking of newsletters. So as I mentioned, I think I've sort of found the sweet spot Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We're going to be doing this podcast talking about what's happening nationally, mostly because what happens nationally impacts bond markets. Bond markets impact mortgage rates. That's the business that I'm in. And it's important to talk about that and explain why, you know, what's happening with jobs reports, CPI, all of that, how that's going to impact, um, you know, bond markets, a.k.a. what's happening with mortgage rates. But I did want to always kind of talk about what's happening locally in the Wilmington area where I am. This is where I broadcast out of, obviously, I pay attention to what's happening in the news. It matters to me what's going to impact the real estate markets. There's a lot of economic data that's out there, and I kind of never knew what to do with it. And so I've decided that because I'm doing the the, the thrice weekly 
national podcast and newsletter, why not do once a week a news, just a newsletter for now. I, I kind of want to do a podcast with it, but we'll see. So right now I'm just doing the newsletter and I was kind of looking at the stuff. I've, I've been looking at the way data is released for, for local info. And I was trying to figure out what it makes sense to do kind of a weekly report. Cause you can't, you can't do a daily one. There's just not enough that's out there. And so I thought, well, why not just do the thrice weekly national and then I'll do once a week something focusing on the Wilmington metro area, kind of the Cape Fear region. And so that's my goal. So starting tomorrow, I'm going to be releasing the first newsletter, Wilmington Weekly, looking at economic data, housing data, as well as the big stories that are happening in and around the Cape Fear region that are going to impact the overall economy and the real estate markets. Obviously, bond markets don't matter because they're set by national news. So nothing is going to, nothing happening in Wilmington is going to impact the bond markets. But we can talk about what's going to happen to the economy and how that's going to impact the real estate markets. So we'll talk about, you know, new developments that are happening, what's happening with rents, what's happening with home prices, what's happening with unemployment, inflation, all of that. So that's kind of my goal. So that you'll be getting in your inbox tomorrow. And you can, by the way, choose if you just want to get my national stuff or if you just want to do the local weekly, there's, there's a way to do that. So it's not like you have to get all of them or nothing. You can decide if you want one or the other or none, I guess. But then if you, why are you listening? If you don't want any of it, maybe you just like the, the um, audio versions. You don't really actually want anything in print, but the first Wilmington Weekly will be in your inbox tomorrow regardless. And then you can decide if you want to keep getting it or not. We're going to be talking about migration patterns in Wilmington, like where are people coming from and where people are, you know, where they're, they're leaving and going to as well uh, as Realtor.com's local data from September. So we'll talk about that in the first issue as well as some big news that's happening in Wilmington like Project Grace and some other things. So we'll, that'll all be in the first edition of Wilmington Weekly. But that's the last time I'm going to talk about Wilmington on this podcast because either I'm going to do a Wilmington podcast or you're just going to find it in the newsletter. But I will be back Wednesday with hopefully enough to talk about. We will see. But you guys enjoy your Monday. I'll be back here Wednesday regardless of if I have something to talk about or not. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.